Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lockdown Series with the Load of Balls. Um, I am delighted to be joined by Down Stalwart and now Pundit, I suppose, John, is, is another word as well for you. Uh, Mr. John Clark. Clark, great to have you on the, on the show tonight. Thanks very much, John. A pleasure being on the, on the podcast. Uh, you're doing great things with the podcast. I've been tuning in in recent weeks during the lockdown and uh, some great viewing uh, I've had. Brilliant. And uh, I hope um, it has it's inspired you to stay on for another wee while anyway for the for St John's. Yeah, well I've uh, unofficially retired at the end of last season and I had a rethink. Um I was actually only bike training there with the guys uh, before the lockdown at the, in the middle of March and only had one friendly game in a couple of sessions. So the good news this week obviously with GA uh, coming out by a roadmap, so there, there's hope that there's gonna be football at some stage. Later in the summer, so yeah, look, looking forward to getting back into some sort of competitive action. Don't know how long it lasts, but we'll, we'll see how it goes anyway. I know, yeah, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be uh, interesting to see what way the the championship's drawn out. Maybe, um, we league and then into into the knockout or just straight knockout. I suppose if we're back then in, in August, you know, there is time for a, for a bit of a round robin sort of picture. Yeah, I think the county board did do that back in, I think it was 2015 or 14. Mm-hmm. They did the, each team had three championship games, you know, and then the top two in the quarterfinals. So that could be a way forward. You know, I think it would be too tight to, to run league victors at, this, at that stage of the summer, you know. So I'm sure the county board will come out in the next couple of weeks and, and give clubs a sort of definitive map forward. And it will be something for players and, and clubs to look forward to. No, definitely. And, and I'm sure the clubs will be... Looking forward, it's like with with the money and all that there that they've lost, and you know, like some teams are losing thousands a week, you know, with no lotto or anything that coming through. So fingers crossed, then everything everything's back to normal, and everyone's safe and well, and we get we get going. But John, the the reason I got you on tonight is, um, I was interested whenever I had uh, Marty on, you know, that the, the sort of the way that you helped him develop into the footballer. Um, that he was, but how was it having a talented younger brother? Um, obviously, you get slagged by being Marty's brother, but you had a glittering career yourself. So, you know, how was it growing up um, yourself? Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt from a, from a young age, you know, you could recognize uh, Marty had talent, and I think he alluded to on, on the podcast on me yourself that, uh, you know, for, for, four or five years at least, where you've been out in the backfield and practicing and having different various skills and that every Saturday, every Sunday, you name it, after school we were, we were there. And, you know, I could see at that age that, that he was like punching well above his weight. I was five years older than him uh, and he was, we were practicing free kicks and he was scoring free kicks that I was scoring. And, you know, we built up a good rapport, but it was clear to be seen that he had that natural ability and it probably helped that I was a wee bit older. He was trying to maybe aim to maybe hit the level I was sitting on the, and he wasn't far away at that stage but that definitely was a great grounding and it also helped me you know develop uh, as a player as well at a young age where you were trying you were bouncing off somebody but there's no doubt it gave him a, a great foundation to where he was going and then he, he really took off then when he went to St. Louis and uh, the McCrory Cup run and then obviously with the move to Australia and that so you know, it was really, really clear from, from an early age that he possessed a, a lot of natural talent, a lot more natural talent than I probably had. But uh, the two of us, you, you slagged me there about being Marty's brother. Yes, it, it happens quite a bit. Um, but we were two different people and two different footballers. You know, throughout our careers, we, we had similar paths maybe with men in all Ireland, whatever else, but two completely different people. And each of us uh, wanted it, the other person to do the best they could. And it's still the same to this day. You know, we, we meet up regularly for, for training sessions. He's always involved in John. So there, there's a good rapport there. And that, that will not change. It, it, and it started probably in the backfield in Cranfield away those many, many years ago. It always, like, uh, that, it's, it's funny how you know, the, the stories always start, like, with, you know, brothers playing and, and, and you know, trying to outdo one another. Like, there's there's four brothers in our house. And, like, that's, it's wild. Like, you know, you're trying to outdo one another. At every turn, and the, but as you say, um, you know you're always looking, and you're always just filled with pride. Like you know, whenever whenever one of you has achieved something, so um, did you find it 
was that one of the main reasons why you kept on playing in 2010 then? Um, you had a wee break in 2009, but you came back in 2010. Obviously, you knew that Marty was coming back. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the respect talk, and we had known that he was going to come back uh, probably late 2009, he arrived back. And I, I did, I wasn't, had a year out in the county panel in 2009. Uh, myself and Ross had a, had a minor disagreement, and I think it was December time, the, the boys were training, and I had always went to Leperstown, the racing, and I had told Ross that I would, you know, I was I wasn't going to make training. That I think it was the twenty seventh December. Something was the big meet, and I went there every year. I just said, text him, Ross, <laughs> listen, because I trained very hard up to that point, mm-hmm. and I just said, text him, Ross, I won't make training tomorrow morning. He texted back, going, John, if you're not at training, don't come back. And, I, and that was it. You know, I didn't, I didn't go back that, that year. And so that was it. There was no, there was no other yeah, no, correspondence. That was, that was it. He was probably as stubborn as I was at that stage, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> Possibly looking back now, we, we probably could have met a media at something. Like there was a different stage that was going behind the fold. But in a way, you know, it gave me a year away from the from the scene, a complete break. And then obviously with Marty coming back in late 2009, James coming on board as manager, the whole thing was given a freshness. And looking back, that, that year did give me a great sort of hunger to get back into county football and just give it me all. Um, you know, we, we obviously had a great year in 2010, but there's no doubt that break. And, it was in forced break, but it did give me that renewed appetite to go at it hard in 2010. Yeah, because 2009, you were still, you were 26, just coming in and around your, your peak years for, for Gaelic football, really. Like, and, you know, um, as you said, the person that you are, I've known you from school now, John, you're, you were quite, do you wish that you had to push the issue then with Ross to get it sorted or... Or was it just like, well, he's he's put his stamp on it, that's it? Yeah, fuck, you, you know, in hindsight, it's always the one of the things you say, possibly, and, you know, me and Ross <clears throat> probably didn't speak for a couple of years after that, then he came on board with the Kingdom in 2014, and me and him had the best relationship, you know, he, he was one of the best managers I've ever had, and he, he put so much work into the club, and into me personally that year, he, he was with the Kingdom, you know, but... 2009, yes, you know, looking back from it, you're going, it's a year I missed in county football where I could have been playing, but we possibly, the two of us have probably hold our hands up and go, something maybe could have happened where, where uh, I could have been back playing and he could have been happy, but uh, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like you've had great success with Down on some um, awful days, so we'll put it as well, John, but you know, whenever you first got the call up, I think it was Pete that was still the manager at the, at the time. Um, you were fresh out of the, the minors, maybe you're under under 21s. Um, you know, how did that feel at such a young age getting called up? I think there were still boys from the 94 team on, on that on that squad. Yeah, there was. I was <clears throat> still at St. Louis, actually. I was studying from A levels, and it was around May time down. I had a disappointing enough end to the National League, I think, and then. One evening, I think it was maybe middle, middle April, Pete rang the house and said, John, would be interested in, in coming on board. Uh, we're, we're looking at a couple of defenders to add strength and depth to the panel. And, you know, I was always delighted. Pete was a, a hero of mine, as for the whole of the 91, 94 panel. And you said a lot of them guys were still about, you know, that they said Mickey James, Gregory, those guys were still on the panel. So I took a couple of days to think about it. I mean, because I was doing a lot of study at that time and the A levels were very important. but. I managed to come to the decision, yes, I can't turn this down. It's something I wanted to do all my life. I wanted to play for Down seniors in a, in a championship game. And, and I, I think a, a few days later, the first training session for Brony, and it was one of those moments where you're going, is this real here? You know, I'm in the Brony Park here, Pete McGrath's taking the session. You're surrounded by Mickey James, Brian Burns, Michael McGill, all these guys. And you're going, this is it. You know, this is mm-hmm. hopefully the start of, of something great. And that, that was a, a moment that I, I always look back on and I'm always grateful for Pete for, for making that call and uh, the rest, you know, I'm going to want to have a decent enough career after that. But I managed to, to do well in the A-levels too and sort of mix the two. And at that stage, although we didn't have a, a long summer that year, we lost to Arma in the qualifiers. We only had two games, but to make my debut against Calvin then in, in Houston Park that May, you know, it, it was a it was a big, big day and a, and a proud day. The who There was a couple of uh, boys brought in at that stage wasn't there like a, there was sort of a young influx then of of that minor team and, and under 21s came through um, you know did, how did the just gel with the others other older more established players 
Yeah, it was very much a transition. You know, I think there were seven or eight of us from the 99 minor team and we were only 18, 19 years of age and then they had guys that I've mentioned there at the other end of the spectrum. So it was a difficult period in down football, you know, and uh, there wasn't an awful lot of, of massive talent either side of that. And we were probably expected maybe to do a lot more than maybe we should have been at that age and maybe take a bit of criticism from me throwing so many young players in so soon. But it had to be done. And it was just unfortunate that a few of those guys of the 84 team were coming towards the end. It was a difficult transition, but it's one that, you know, had to be done at some stage. The, the, uh, there was a couple of more men on that panel and did they take you, the, put you under the wing and, and keep you right and tell you how to act and what's, what's expected of you as a down player? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Pat Morning from Australia, he would have been the taxi driver. You know, he would have picked me up and he, he could have told some great stories about he used to take Gregory and Higgins and Big Ambrose and them boys to training. And even to hear him talking about them legends and the crack that he had, you know, you knew it, it was a big thing and an important thing. And, you know, Gregory in particular, it was a, a man growing up. Yeah, he looked up to, you know, he was from, from Valley Martin Club, but, you know, an awful time for him still do to this day. And, he was sort of a man who inspired me to go on and, and play for Down and then to share a change with him and, and to play with him in, in Austin Championship games and that for the next couple of years it was a great experience, you know, and it was it's something I'll, I'll always remember and cherish as well. You know, it's like it must have been a, a some feeling like playing like Pete won numerous All Irelands and that. How did you take his news that when he stepped down? Then were you thinking, oh no, here's the manager that brought me on uh, to the squad and, and he's leaving now? Yeah, it was it was a difficult day. It was down in Longford in two thousand and two. We'd all come off the back of a disappointing defeat to Donegal, and then we drew Longford away, and it was mm-hmm. it was a disaster of the day. The bus got lost, and we were late for, for for arriving at the game. And Longford, it was a tight pitch and mass. But I just knew after the game that you know we Pete at that time he, he was young and he came in, he was in tears, and Pete had nice and stepping down. And it was an emotional day, you know, and he did feel. Geez, I, I let this man down here. This is the man who's been managing down for 15 years, and now he's he's stepping away in a, in a wet summer's evening in Longford, you know. And it was a long trip home to to, to Newry that night. It definitely was, but you know, Pete probably knew his time was up. But players at that stage, it was a transition period, but they probably have to take responsibility to them. Could they have done a wee bit more, and could they got a wee bit more out of him? Maybe got Pete another year or two, but. Certainly, it was one of those moments where we'll where not forget either, you know, people stepping down. It was an emotional day for all involved in down football. And did you have a, a players' meeting or anything after that? Because obviously, uh, you just got to the uh, Ulster final in 2003. You know, what, what's, what goes through the, these players' meetings at the start of the year with, with, with county teams and that, John? Like, what is set out? Is it, um, you know, I suppose everyone wants to win in All Ireland, but you have to be realistic. As you said, you just were beat down in Longford. Do you know what's what's said at these meetings at the start? Yeah, well, Paddy Paddy Rourke came in at uh, late two thousand and two, and you know Paddy came in with a new background team, a fresh approach, and he, you know he held trials throughout the county, and everybody got a fair crack at the whip, and Paddy assembled a new panel, you know, and he did know right away that, that Paddy, you know, he meant business, and he was a man that had massive passion as Pete did for down football, and you know he really did turn things around from from a team of no hopers losing to Longford. We would reach an Ulster final in the summer of 2003 and put serious hard work in that uh, winter and then into the spring with a decent enough National League campaign. But come the summer, you know, we were picking well, we, we were training well. Paddy was getting the best out of a lot of players and we, and we still had that core of experience there as well as the, the, the youth from the 99 minor team who were probably a year or two older and maybe more experienced. But uh, yeah, it was a big turnaround and it was so close that day to getting an Ulster title, which would have been a real boat out of the blue. But, you know, in my opinion, two key refereeing decisions robbed down that day. And, you know, who knows what could have happened after that. But it's a massive regret for, for me down, Craig. I'm sure a lot of lads who were on that panel not closing that game out that day in Clones, you know. And, you know, you look at what Tyrone done after that, went on to win mm-hmm. three All-Irelands and, and down basically had a good good days here and there but not much happened after that for a while when, when Paddy took over then was his sole aim to get to an Ulster final or was it to win it or was it to get new players into the team John well I think initially he, he just wanted to win an Ulster championship game you know and it was maybe three or four years since down had won one you know we'd lost Antrim a couple of years before that lost the Donegal so we, we beat Monaghan in the first game I think and then from Man in the semi-final so it was game by game 
and then to get to the Ulster final was a bonus. But we believe going into that game that we could have won it and played everything in place. And you know, it was a massive, it was a mad game at times. It was just crazy. And somebody had sent me a link that there a couple of weeks ago. Somebody was showing it, and I watched bits of it again. And it was just intensity in the heat and the craziness of the decisions of Gregory sending off, which was mad. And then Canavan's penalty to me, it was never a penalty. And he admitted as much there a couple of weeks ago in some article. He says that he, he just used all his craft and experience to go down for that penalty, and it, it turned the game that day. And we just couldn't, we just couldn't hold out for for, for the win. The the, the way that. Season ended then, two thousand and four. Uh, would have been, you know, you would have been looking forward to it, and and you know, you would have been saying, you know, if we get our act together here, there's something special. But it just didn't seem to happen then. The the, the period after that, yeah, it was uh, two or three years after that where we had a couple of good results here and there, and then other days we we were just like woeful, particularly poor. And I think Sligo was the last Paddy's last game and. 05 or 06, we only scored four points, you know, and dismal, dismal day. But then on other days, we, we could have competed with the best. So inconsistency was a lot to do with it, you know. And again, it's it's maybe it's hard to put your finger on it. Players were, were putting their effort in, but we just weren't getting the results. And maybe the, the quality of players that were there in 91 and 94 possibly just weren't in the county at that time. And whatever your role, John, obviously I know you as, as a back and um then later on you moved moved to forward. When did that transition happen? Was it with Down or was it with Enrique that you know uh, you, you thought to yourself we'll have a go at this forward Malarca? Yeah, well as you said growing up in school, football playing defender and I played many team with yourself as a as a defender and ninety nine minors I was always a defender and, and seeing myself pretty much as a defender, but then Barney Magalinen was the kingdom manager, uh, he was in around the early two thousands and um, he started to take us one season and he just says, I'm going to try and fall forward one game and I think it was against Clondoff or something and, and it absolutely was flying, you know, and he seen high potential to be a target man and probably since that, I never really looked back from a club perspective playing up front. He just was always centre half forward, full forward for Kingham and, and that was it. Uh, you know, the club position wasn't questioned and I really, really would have played defence but then from a county perspective, I was always sort of seen still as a defender and I was quite happy with that you know I probably didn't have the belief at that stage to think that I was had the capabilities of being a top inter-county forward whereas I probably knew I was more of a natural defender so I think it was maybe I think it was 2005 with the National League game and Paddy were just we were struggling up front and at half time he came and he said John I'm going to fire you up half forward here and I scored three or four points I think it was against Wexford or somebody and and that was it then. He sort of says, this, this guy can play forwards for Inter-County and he had persuaded me. So he played me championship that year, maybe in wing forward or corner forward. And uh, with relative success, you know, I'd still probably say that at that stage, I was probably still in my head that I was more of a county defender. But yet I, I could mix, mix it with the best from, from a club perspective up front, you know. So it was one of the things, you're versatile. It seemed to be a good thing. But then looking back, maybe... It held me back a wee bit because certain managers goes, well, this lad, can, where is his best position, you know? And that was maybe a tricky, a tricky point. And then the following year, he moved me back, sent it half back. But he did, you know, so it was hard probably to just get an exact position. And it did maybe curtail me a wee bit at, at various stages, but I was equally at home in defence or attack. Yeah, like it's, it's some attributes to have. But as you said... Maybe your versatility was a downfall of someone that you couldn't just hone that you know skill down as because you're always a man marker and you always work mark the best players um whenever I knew you and you know but your, it was your you could shoot which was which was always yeah. a which was always a bonus you know <laughs> but uh, whenever that was happening then John like what relationship would you've had with the, with the managers then would you have said to them look can I just have a season in in Back, half back line or half forward line you know were you vocal with the managers I was and I wasn't you know and then when Ross took over you know his, his first year he, he'd see me as an out and out defender you know and he, he played me full back and he was happy with that but then the following year he had me transformed into a forward and I was absolutely flying so it was conversations where maybe I should have, looking back, I maybe should have said to certain managers, listen, but I was happy to mm-hmm. do a job for the team, be a cornerback, corner forward. I just wanted to play for down and I wanted the team to win. So 
you know, I wasn't going to start dictating to a manager, you play me here or I'm not going to play play for you, you know. So it was a catch-22 situation. But in fairness, when James came in in 2010, he'd said to me from early doors, he says, listen, you're going to be playing in the full forward line and that's it, you know. And that probably gave me a peace of mind where I knew I wasn't going to be fired back into the half-back line or somewhere and I could sort of focus the game around that. And, and that did help me a fair bit in, in 2010 from, from early doors in the Kenna Cup. I knew that this night I had to hold my game and hold my skills to play as a full, in the full forward line for, for this season. And, and that was a good thing. And possibly looking back now, I should have maybe been more forceful with the other managers, but I just seen it as a, you know, respect to the managers. They want to pick mm-hmm. you, they want to play you. I wanted to play for Dan, so there's no question. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's right. I went wrong all in question of managers <laughs> all the time. The uh, the way it's just for for young fellas now that you know um, that maybe are being used as a as a cornerback, right half back, midfield, half forward. You know, I just think of that if you're looking to hone your skills and be the best that you can be, you need to study players that are in that position. So uh, that's why I'm asking. I think that you have to have that conversation with managers now and say, you know, what do you see me as? You know, I think that's, uh, you have to be open and honest yeah. and, and, and take that. Like, you know, um, do you think that with the Queen's connection then with James, that he's seen you as a full forward and seen that how a game plan can work with, with a target man? Possibly, yeah. J- James uh, had me at Queen's Freshers. We, we won an Ireland Fresher title, and then obviously we got to Sigerson final as well. He actually played me in the half forward line in those years. But he probably did see enough from us in club football uh, and seeing me uh, playing for, for Queen's that I had the ability to, to play up front on a consistent basis, you know. Although he did probably know in the back of his mind that I could play defence as well. But again, uh, whatever he wanted me to do, I would have done it, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way it was, you know. No, because the kingdom really had a great game plan with with the, the runners coming off you 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 know the ball being played in, um obviously you're a big target, um there was many times Rock McGee would have been hanging off you and you still <laughs> would have been able to get the ball, but you know, uh, you have sm- you and the you mentioned the, the five best managers and it was Brendan Morgan I think, would that be right that you mentioned, um yeah what, that's inf- right. what influence did he have. Uh, growing up in, in the kingdom, then John. Yeah, Brendan obviously he's a real stalwart of the kingdom and a man who managed me right from under twelve right up. And you know, players at that age sometimes can disrespect a manager. Brendan was one of those guys where he had authority right away. You know, from serious wit about him. You know, and lads were near scared to miss training because he would have slagged the life out of him or dropped him for the next game. And that's the respect he had from an early age and. He just had one. He just that way with him, and he still had me involved with Kingdom, and he had a massive influence on, on, on my career right up. He was a manager. Then we won the county minor championship, the first the club had in two thousand. He managed the, the seniors then for a couple of years after that. Probably didn't get a fair enough crack at the whip, but a serious, serious character and a big, big influence on me right from underage at the Kingdom, right, right up the senior level, and a man who you know I respect his opinion right up to, to this day. Yeah, and then. Obviously, you, you left and reacted. Did you have a conversation with anybody before you just joined St. John's? Or was it just you had something, you were moving down, obviously, the the St. John's, Drum Coil, and you just thought, I'm going to integrate myself in the community here. Um, was there anyone you, you spoke for, for advice? Yeah, it was a big decision. It was back in 20, I made the move in 2015, and I... Uh, the kingdom at that stage, Ross was over us, and we had missed out on promotion to Division One. That in twenty fourteen, Leighton beat us in the playoff, and I sort of had moved to St John's that year, and I travelled up and down the road that whole season of twenty fourteen. And it, you know, it's an hour and a half round trip from where I am, right to the kingdom, forty minutes each way, and it, it, you know, it was starting to take its toll. Uh, Orla was expecting her first child, and I just had to make a call on it. And to me, it was a very, very hard call to make. I spoke to my family. Spoke to a couple of people in St. John's and a couple of people in the kingdom who respected a lot. And it was a big decision to make, but I just felt for myself at that stage, you know, the kingdom weren't going to be winning senior championships. And it, there was a commitment issue with, with, with certain players at the time that maybe I was traveling up and down the road and other lads couldn't travel five minutes around the road to make training. So I just made a call and it was, it was tough to make, but I, I knew that 
to come to St John's. Obviously, Orla's father was chairman, her brother Harry was, was one of the main players. And there was lots of positives of, of moving down to St John's. And I wasn't a young buck, you know, I was 32 at that stage, you know, and although I'm still playing a bit, I'd seen myself maybe only playing a year or two to play my career, but it, it was a move that I don't really regret making because it was made for, it wasn't made really for footballing reasons, it was made for sort of personal and logistic mm-hmm. reasons. It was far easier, five minutes round the road, my training rather than travelling an hour and a half up the road and, it, it, you know, 40 minutes up and 40 minutes home, it, it was starting to take its toll at the end of that season. But tough decision to make, but I, I can't say I have any, any regrets over it at this stage. How did the Kingdom boys take it then whenever you, whenever you played it? Did they see it that way? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was a tricky one and I didn't. In fairness, the, the, the Kingdom has a, a lot of friends up there and a lot of them wish me the best. But there wasn't, you know, a, a load of lads at the time came, but give it one more year, we'll do this, we'll do that. And maybe that was just the mindset they had. But, you know, the, the first game then, it was, I think it was the third game in, obviously St. John's played, uh, the Kingdom up in the Kingdom and it was just the way the fixtures fell and, at the time, you know, I, it was it was always going to be hard. It was always going to be tricky, and I, I did at a stage think about not playing in the game because I played all my life up in Denaval, and I, I just felt awkward about going up. I didn't expect the red cover not to be that rolled to be rolled out or me to be slapped handshake. But the game itself, it was you know it really it, it sort of opened my eyes a wee bit to, to, to certain mentality, certain lads. You know, from the first whistle, I was getting physical. Punches in the face, verbals the whole game. The Kingdom won the game easy, fair and square. There was no question about that. But it sort of left a very, very sour taste with me. You know, we first returned to Denaval for a club that I've can give blood and sweat and tears for years. And certain lads turn around and just have a short memory and disrespect you for what you've done, you know. And yes, it's important to win the match. Both teams won the game, but there was more to football than that, I thought. And it did hurt me. It hurt me more than my wife. And it hurt me mum and dad too you know and it just had left a wee bit of a sour taste teams have met since and there's always a wee bit of aggro but certain people maybe up there maybe thought I left for football and raising you know I didn't transfer to Goku or, or <laughs> Castlewell or Brands were to try and win a senior championship yeah. I transferred to St John's because my, my home club at the minute at where I'm living and I just wanted to give it my best to them so it was a difficult enough period and, and that game itself was just something I don't look back on with particular fondness and uh, that'll probably disappear in, in years to come and there is a lot of great people and a lot, I still have a lot of great friends up in the kingdom That's, uh, I should have been to that match now I'm, I'm raging I missed it Your temperament uh, John you've always been uh, steady like, you know no qualms just get on with uh, did you lose your temper that night or was it just or were you taken aback really well, at the start, I was taken aback, you know, and it probably shocked me, but then I had to stand up for myself too, and I wasn't going to get rolled over by anybody. And, you know, I, I did. There was, I'd give as good as I got in at, at certain stages of the game, but it was one of those ones where it probably took me a while to go, is this really happening? This is, you know, even the atmosphere of the game, it, it was hostile, you know, and Denaval is a place where, where the likes of Longstone will come and Barry Martin and years gone past, and I've never experienced it being as hostile and I was going why are these lads reacting like this in the crowd where they couldn't get up for the match as much in a local derby you know and that's what I couldn't understand as well and, and just questioning the mentality of, of certain people but mm-hmm. it's gone now and it's, it's something that I'll not remember and I don't want to remember but it's, <laughs> it's just left it just has left a bit of a sour taste you know no and I'm like but the, you're going to get that in a way at, at, with footballers in a way you know as you said maybe the thought that it was for footballing reasons and that, but I'm sure you'll be back at some stage to the Kingdom anyway. And I'm, um, yeah, no, here, I, the money's on rate is still an ambition of mine. I would love to go up in the next three or four years, whatever, when again, the coaching, I, I manage the club, obviously, if that passion's still there. And there's a lot, a lot of good people up there. Yeah, just as you say, the, the coaching and manager, obviously, John, you can't go on playing forever. Um, you know, and I, and I named some of the managers, Trixie, um, you know, Pete, Ross, um, Paddy O'Rourke, uh, Wee James, you know, Barney McLean. You know, have you taken snippets of their coaching and management styles and, and trying to form your own and see where you are now? With, with you know, I'm sure you've got one eye on, on coaching and managing. Yeah, no, I, I do absolutely. And, and all those guys you mentioned, and Stevie Coacher there as well, I know he was on your podcast a while back. 
know, great, great, each a different character on their own, and, and he, there's no doubt I take different snippets from them all. A lot of them managed like Tracy, maybe Pete, Brent, Morgan. We talk about were typical old school managers, and I, I still feel that there is a gap in GA teams for that sort of old school manager, old school type training that instill that tough mentality and, and fitness into teams. Then you have the modern coaches like Poacher and, and James coming around there with different ideas. And it's something that I have started to take a, a good interest in over the past year or two. And when I did initially call it quits there at the end of last season, you know, I, I was looking to possibly get in with a team. I spoke with possibly in with Stevie at France where it didn't work out. I'd looked at them beginning with from Gaff with Big Jackie, you know, but there was just in the back of my head, I just wanted to give it one more year and, and see what happens. But definitely come next season, I'll be keen to sort of uh, cut my teeth in the coaching world. As you know, John, it's probably not not an easy uh, job at times, but it's it's uh, it's exciting and there's plenty of plenty of ideas and, and plenty of stuff out there that I would like to try with 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 the young club or or whatever club uh, comes along. Yeah, I used to have a full head of her John, before, <laughs> before I started the coaching management. But uh, no, it's uh, I think it's it's something that you have to call yourself whenever you, you know you do call it quits on, on playing because it never leaves you. You know that's that's the thing. You're always like, yeah. I'm still, I'm still trying to play a bit of seconds, like and, and the body just won't do. <laughs> body just won't do it no more. But the uh, the, the coaching you can't as you say if you can take snippets from from. You know the managers that you've worked with. You not go too far, and I think it's about getting good counsel as well from from boys like Stephen Poach has been. You know the different clubs. He, he managed you as well for a couple of years. John, he did. He, he took the kingdom from. I think it was two thousand nine, two thousand eleven. You know, and he up a great relationship with him. He was a great coach. He was very young at that stage. He was cutting his teeth, and yes, he has his critics out there. But you know, the people who are having a pop up here and there have never trained under him and been managed by him. And he's one of the best coaches I've had. Very innovative. He brings so much passion and enthusiasm to each and every session, be it a pre-season training in January or a massive training session for a championship game. He, he'll always bring that enthusiasm. And some of his drills are, are top, top, top drawer, you know. So he, he's a man who will be picking, if I do get involved, he'll be picking his experience a fair bit uh, in the coaching side of things. I hope you're not as uh, not taking his um, defensive uh, tactics too far with them, but enough said about that. <laughs> but John, you've got a, a good insight then of you know coaching defenders, coaching coaching the forwards then as well. So like you, you can't have any complaints whenever you, you get into coaching. Yeah, you, you, you know each forwards and defenders are obviously different, and they're probably a lot of things can be they all do the exact same training, but you know as, as GA is moving forward. There will there is certain teams who maybe defenders do different sets sets of training and forwards do other sets and I have that experience from from being at both sides of the field and hope they can bring that into into the coaching. Whereabouts um, do you think then, John? This is the last. Um, what way do you think GA football is going to pan out now? Do you think that the tactics um, of sort of moving away from the blank defenses and that? Um, I'm sure you, you've, you've been to the most games, not that I've seen yet at, at games. Um, what tactics do you think teams are going to start bringing in? Yeah, it's, it has moved slightly from, a, from the Jim McGuinness era where teams were sort of laying behind the ball to a more sort of press and kick out sort of era where teams are trying to go on the front foot. And I, I think it's the way forward. You know, you look at a team there, if they're set up and you see it in club football and down, I've seen it. It's my own club, I've seen it from other clubs where they're pressing the kick out. And the opposition goalkeeper has no space to kick, and you win that kick out, you're on the attack right away. Instead of maybe handing the possession to the other team, letting them build and then trying to tackle them. So I think the mindset of a lot of coaches and players have gone that way. It could change the game, but they're probably taking a leaf out of Dublin's book, and that, that's where they have got a lot of success in recent years by, by a hard press at vital stages in, in games. And from a spectator point of view, that's what you want to see. You don't want to be going to a max and and the score being eight six and being ten brilliant blocks, you want to go and see a two fourteen to one twelve game with plenty of high scoring and, and plenty of good action. The the only thing with that is that you have to be super fit for that high press. Um, have you picked up any any training techniques from 
even whenever Marty was over in Australia, would he have sent you stuff over to, to do? And and even whenever Wee James was the manager, like did, did things change in the fitness ways? Yeah, I think they have gone to a different level. Uh, Training-wise, training uh, even from, from 2010, you know, guys are just at a different level now from, from a gym perspective. You know, we did bits and pieces. I would never have been the biggest fan of, of the gym. <laughs> you know, I, I would have did a wee bit, but possibly could have done more in my career, but I always seen football as being the most important thing. But I think even lads in general now are taking their condition more serious. You know, you will, since this lockdown, you've, you've seen lads really getting into great shape. And I think that mindset now, they know to do it themselves, where previously you would have been forced to do an extra training session by yourself if you weren't training collectively as a team. So I think this period of a uh, shutdown has been good. It'll give lads more sort of responsibility to do their own thing rather than having been spoon-fed everything uh, that a lot of teams have been doing o- o- over recent years. But obviously you mentioned Marty's experience there in Australia. He brought a lot of stuff back. And I would still go for for runs there, and he's his endurance is second to none. You know, I'd still say he's probably one of the fittest players in, in, in down at the minute. He's in great shape at the minute, so I'm trying to keep up with him uh, <laughs> at the minute. I'm, get, I'm getting a wee bit closer to him, but uh, yeah, I still think that endurance run, that hard run, is an important part of Gaelic football. You know that will never go away. And lads, and just lads are buying into it more and more and keeping themselves in great shape, be it club or county. Yeah, was it, as you're getting older now, sorry to bring it, keep bringing it up, <laughs> but um, have, has your training techniques changed? You know, is it more, are you doing any uh, Ryan gigs yoga or anything like that there? Or? No, definitely no, no yoga for me. I would find it too boring. <laughs> I am full roller, so I wouldn't be fans of them either. But uh, I have probably the past year, year and a half, done more sort of endurance running myself. You know, I'd be up around Caswell Park, Hollymore, they're doing runs. Not only from a fitness side, but probably just to clear the head. And I find that very, very beneficial. And still, that's why I still maintain, if I was training the team, you need that core base of fitness. You know, you do need it. And it, it is, when I was probably, I, mean, I probably wasn't doing enough of that endurance running. Whereas looking back now, if I had maybe been doing a wee bit more of it, it maybe would have helped me a bit more. But regarding in the past year or so, I've really been doing that. I've enjoyed it. You know, I've been setting myself times. I haven't been setting the world alight, but I've been enjoying doing my own thing in, in, in my own space and working it that way. Whenever you were, you were training, like, did that, does anyone st- stand out you know, whose who's trainings were just on their, on their fitness, apart from Marty's, obviously, with his professional background, but any of the down lads or, or club lads whose fitness were just through the roof? Yeah, well, you mentioned County, like Danny Hughes, like Danny would have been a serious athlete, still is, you know, and his a uh, times and, and various runs and running motto wouldn't be far behind them two lads were, were good gym buddies but they were serious neck like you know and naturally fit and could run all day long yeah, they, they would probably be the two would stand out big Dan Gordon as well physical point of view you know there's no stronger stronger man about and he, he could run as well you know so they're the three guys that stand out from a sort of fitness point of view the uh, say that the boys probably got a bad rap because because of the dying years but um, you know, you've seen that you've had them lean years, but yet, you know, did you put in the work at county level at that stage? You know, do you think that was one of the reasons why you didn't achieve, or was it just that you just weren't that professional at that stage, if you know what I mean? No, it's a fair point. Um, myself and Benny had a discussion about that one day. You know, we probably, you know, Danny and Murda and those guys, you probably did do that bit extra. Um, for myself and Benny and certain other guys and we just relied on our football ability and just our going to training. Looking back, yes, we could have done a bit more outside of it, but at that stage, you know, it wasn't at the level where it is now, where you were sort of forced to do it, but at the time, you're, you're going Marty and Danny, they were setting a, a good standard. And 2010, when Marty came in with them, the, the standard did improve a lot. You know, he, he sort of bought into their ethos as well, a lot, lot more players. Did buy into that way of thinking, and it, looking back, it, it would have helped. But definitely, have, have, have no regrets. Yeah, the the, the way is um, the the bond that just have that twenty ten team especially was very special, John. Um, and I'm sure your friends still with, with a lot of boys from from that area. Um, you know how was how was the team bond and how like how did you just get that camaraderie? Was it just from, from playing all them years together, or or how did it come about? 
just think there was a lot of players who had played lots of years together, but then you had younger, a younger crew as well, the likes of McCarran, Paul McComaskey, and those guys as well. It just thought we, we got on really well. There was a good mix, and we, we did enjoy nights out. And that was one thing about James; he did allow that. And, and I think well, after one of the second national league games back then, we all went back to Damien Raffles' house. The big need, I think, or something. But I but carried a few tins in the new right. And it was great. It was great. Now, that was in February. And after that night, I was going, you know what, this, this team here can do something because, yes, we had won the game. We'd all played, but a lot of the lads were, were out enjoying a pint, having a crack, getting to know each other. And that did continue throughout that season after the big wins were carrying from there. We, we did all meet up and, and stick together, go for a few pints, and then on the Monday or Tuesday night, we were back hard at it in training. So that's a, it's a big part of it, you know. And I think that possibly... These days, it's slightly gone where lads maybe don't get a chance to do that. They're more worried about how they look like on Instagram and maybe that part of team bonding has maybe gone from the GA. It's maybe got too serious, you know, but we had some great nights and some great times uh, after big wins and defeats, obviously, as well. You had to go out and, and drown your sorrows. <laughs> there was no recovery sessions then on the, or, or maybe well, the recovery sessions were somewhere else. <laughs> well, not name those places. <laughs> No, but as you said, there's no point in, in not enjoying, you know, the, the experience as well. And, and, you know, as you said, the friendship's not there. The Deuce boys, I'm sure, have, have endured times um, and will do endure the test of time as well. Yeah, friends with a lot of the guys, you know, Danny, Danny, still meet guys regularly, Ambrose, Big Dan, Holy. You know, you could through that team and... He was still dropping the odd text and seeing them out and about and having a chat and reminiscing, you know. So football is very, very important, but it's those links and those friendships that you, you have forever as well, you know. The Paddy Talley was with um, in 2010, John. Is that right? Did you see him becoming a, a, a down manager at that stage or, or did you solely see him as a coach? Yeah, at that stage, I solely seen Paddy as a coach. You know, he was a good, could go between man with the players as well, but his main strength was, was on the training field. At that time, I felt, you know, and some of his trainings were, were, were first class. And we knew when he came in the early doors, 2010, that he, he was going to have a big imprint in the team, and he did. But his, his particularly small-sided games, was, he had a big ethos in it, and intensity, some of the trainings we had in the Abbey, like, you know, we were not on the of each other, and Paddy was just letting it go. He sort of maybe brought that to their own stillness to, to the set as well. But his trainings were second to none, pretty much like, like Stevie Poacher. None of his trainings were the same, and they were always fresh. And yet, you, you were getting fit, fitter with every training session that year. The way that, that season went, did you find yourself gravitating towards um, the management, a certain manager, a coach, uh, for advice and, or for reassurance, even whenever you were playing? Yeah, well, I stuck up a good. I knew a, a, a rapport with James anyway, but Brian McEvoy that year, you know, he sort of had a good link with him and at certain stages where maybe I was maybe struggling. I remember particularly after the Kildare game, I didn't have a particularly good game. And I knew that in the, in the back of my head, you know, and Brian sort of, I think it was the Monday or Tuesday night we were back training and I had come in for possibly a, a fair bit of criticism on the back of that game. We had won, it was great. And I'd, probably been a wee bit despondent myself about my own performance. It just things didn't go right that day for me. I had a, an influence on a few scores, but I knew deep down I could play a lot better. And it was three weeks till the, the All-Ireland final, and I knew I had a fight on my hand to keep my place. And sort of Brian McKay had a quiet word with me on the Monday or Tuesday. He says, you get the head down over the next two or three weeks here and really show this team and that you're worth replacing. Well, that gave me a sort of lift again. And I did, you know, I really physically and mentally just honed in for them two or three weeks and, and kept me place and I felt in the final uh, I sort of justified that and it was probably frustrated by being taken off. So early into the second half when I felt possibly I, I was going quite well. I know it was probably set out before the match that these subs are going to be made and that was it. But maybe looking back now and I know James has maybe said it that the subs maybe shouldn't have been so much set in stone. Mm. But certainly McIver definitely gave me an awful boost up Monday after that Kildare game to sort of believe myself more and go out and, and show what I can do uh, in the lead up to the final and he was a great great football man you know and all the players had big big respect for him The way that four line worked John and with the set substitutions as well um, 
do you think it became too predictable then for teams that like as down supporters we knew what was going to happen so obviously you know do you think opposition managers were like well this is going to you know you're marking him whenever Ronan comes on whenever Conor McGinn comes on and so on yeah no it's a fair point and you know the Kerry and Kildare games they worked so they're probably going well why, why don't we do this but the final was slightly different you know Cork were like our physical team and they probably had it worked out that day. they brought on big men at half time whatever changed the game but I just felt it was a wee bit predictable and there has been a lot of talk about those subs since that final and there was a bit of chaos over some of the changes along the line and James will probably admit that himself but you know I just felt if it could maybe just kept certain lads on for an extra five or ten minutes maybe just stem the court tight maybe nip a couple of extra scores it could have made a difference but certainly the lads who were coming on were super players as well and they had delivered the goods against Kerry and against Kildare but it was possibly a wee bit predictable, but it's all right looking back in hindsight. But it just felt possibly that the fact that the game was so close, there were fine margins in that game that day. It would have took very, very little to get us over the line. That, the, uh, you know, whenever you're saying about the forward unit and that, um, obviously you had um, Ronnie Murdo breathing down your neck for starting in, in full forward as well. Um, he had a purple patch against Slag. Were you thinking to yourself, oh no, here we go? Yeah, well, being on that squad, you know, there were, there were talented men and there's Conor Lavery on the bench as well, Conor McGinn, and you knew there was going to be good men and that's what you wanted as well to encourage you. The competition was fierce and you could see that in training as well. And Murdo obviously grew up with him and played with him all my life and I knew how good a player he was and I would need to push my max to keep him out of the team, you know. And James and them showed faith in me. Till, I, think, I think there was like 20 games that year and I started 19 of them and, you know, it was justified, hopefully, that it did. But the bench we had, and that's why the changes were probably made, that we had such a strong bench that year. And that's probably part of the reason why we did such a good summer. In other years, we probably didn't have that strong bench, where guys were maybe just taking their place for granted. And that's why we weren't probably going places, you know. Did you use train together the full forwards? Like, did you use work on set plays, set patterns of movements, you know, with the half forward line as well? Yeah, with Marty being in, in the half-forward line and Danny had played a lot of football out in the half-forward line that year and myself and Paul inside, he had a good link and a good understanding. And I know in the lead-up to the final, myself and Paul had worked particularly on, on certain movement and creating space and the Agna runs. Uh, and it, it did work pretty well in the first half against Cork. You know, our matchups were, were, were pretty good. But we, we did work a lot on, on, on the run. And we knew with the ball players we had out in the in the half forward line with, with Martin and Danny and Danny that you know quality ball was going to come in a lot of times during the game Did you use your strength or, or your let us say you're not blessed with blistering pace John but you know <laughs> Definitely. did you um, as a full forward obviously you have to win the ball out in front um, you know did you use your hips a certain way to get it to make sure that you were ahead of the, the full back yeah, you know, I was never the quickest. Um, uh, I always sort of used my upper body, you know, my arm leaning into the fort just to get that yard. And then I always felt my strength was winning the ball and holding on to it. Once I got out in front, I could win that ball. And that was a strength I, I, I probably used quite a bit that year. Possibly the Kildare game, I felt I, I maybe didn't use it enough. And that's why possibly the man got a hand in two or three times. And he didn't have a biggest influence. I would like to have that, that game. But Upper body strength, although I didn't go to the gym an awful lot, I would have seen that as one of my main attributes as as a full forward. Yeah, like it's definitely like playing against you, and that you know whenever you were doing full forward, as I said, you lined out very big, and whenever the ball was played in, do you think that you had an advantage because you knew where the fullback was trying to go as well? Um, <laughs> do you know probably, what? yeah, <laughs> probably very good shots from a few things. Yeah. <laughs> but how important was it then? Um, 2011, you're coming off, you know, the the, the 2010. Um, obviously, the disappointment of, of, of the final. Yes, it was great to get there, but ultimately, we didn't win the, the match. Um, after that, how did you feel going into 2011? Yeah, it was. Uh, it took us a while to get over that defeat. There's no doubt. We didn't meet for a, a couple of months, and then we met and we watched the video, and then we set our stall out to go at it again. We weren't that far away. We had the majority of the panel still back. Um, we, we had a decent enough uh, league campaign that year in Division 1. We, we won a, a couple. We were safe 
a couple of games to go, you know. So things were looking positive enough heading the championship with, with a couple of injuries and that. But the Armagh game was, was, was a big, big test. And ultimately, it was a massive disappointment. You know, we, we didn't play well that night in the athletic grounds. And it was a big letdown. So you'd gone from the high of getting to <clears throat> an All-Ireland final to the low of being dumped out by Armagh, your, your bitterest rivals in, in the Ulster Championship. And that was that was actually my last game. Mm-hmm. That game in in Armagh was I sort of, I called it quits after that game. Uh, I just I was I was subbed off after twenty minutes that night, and it was just I just couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't bounce back at that stage. You know, my head was just down. And whereas you were going back, you, you started to play for down. You're going, I can't wait to play for down at that stage. I just that night I didn't have the best of games, but I just felt it was an easy. Easy cop out to take me off after 20 minutes, you know, when the roller arrives and picks that were really struggling, you know. And I just had my mind made up. I went back to training, I think, on the Tuesday, and then I met James on the, on the Friday or something. So James, I think it's, I'd done enough. I just want to take a break, and, and that's me. And in fairness, you know, he understood, and he always left the door open. But that night leaving, I, I knew that that was me. I'd, I'd done my bit, and I just, the enjoyment was going out of it. And I, I called it quits, but it was a big, big low from, from the high of, of the year before, you know, that, that particular game. Were you a confidence player, John, whenever, like, you know, as I said, you know, knowing you, you seemed to be um, unaffected by, by things going on the pitch and that there, you just ice cool. Um, were you a confidence player then when, when you boiled down to it? Yeah, well, looking back in 2010, you know, yeah, I had plenty of, plenty of good games and I had to show a lot of mental strength, particularly a uh, Going into that three-week period leading into the All Ireland final, where I knew possibly my place was under, I was under pressure. But that that time, I was taken off in the Armagh game after 20 minutes. Went to play a club game for the Kingdom that Friday night against Burn or something, and the confidence was at an all-time low. And I just knew it goes, I, I, this isn't me here. You know, I I was if I was going well, my confidence was high. But at that stage, I just I just wasn't enjoying it. I was playing out for the club and I was going, I think I'm flat here. You know, and it was just when I left. When I left, then it was just like a, a weight off my shoulders, and I went back to enjoying my football again. You know, for for the years after that. But there's no doubt it, it takes its toll. You know, and I just felt that game in particular that I was probably used as a scapegoat, and there was just no way I was going back to to, to do that again. You know, and it was there was no fallout or nothing. It was all done amicably. But it was a call that I had to make, and a, and a call that I don't really regret making at the time. Do you regret then the? The sort of abuse that you were getting on certain forms as well—that you know you weren't deserving your place. I seen that um, on other interviews that you know it's not something you read or anything. That was somebody informed you that what was going on on a, on a certain form and that. Um, you know, was that did that come into your your thinking as well? You know, I'm, I'm knocking my pan in here for people that don't realise what's what, what's going on. Yeah, at that stage, it, it didn't it didn't sway my decision, but I was that down at that stage after that Armagh game, you know, just, <clears throat> you were probably looking for excuses, and then some of the people were saying, oh, there's such and such was saying, I wasn't on them discussion boards, wherever they were, but you were getting feedback, and you were getting a vibe that people out there were saying that, oh, he's not good enough, he shouldn't be there, you know, and at that stage, I should have been fixed enough, just to, and I was up to that point, I just didn't pay any attention to it. But it was that low, it was just, it was just probably the final day. And it goes, listen, I don't need to listen to this. My family don't need to listen to it. And they just cut ties, you know. So you need to be thick-skinned to be an inter-county player. And I knew that throughout the years. But it just got to that stage where I knew enough was enough. And my time was up, basically. I'd enjoyed maybe 10 years stint. Uh, and I was more than happy with, with, with what I'd done. No, it's an you know, unbelievable career, John. And um, as, whenever you start off at St. Louis and that as well, uh, we were playing with the, the cloth jerseys and all, and you know we were playing right. ice, ice and ice. We love the jerseys, <laughs> but no shorts or socks, and we had to buy our own. But uh, <laughs> but with them, uh, like going up in St. Louis, not as well. Um, do you think it had a had a good effect on you being level headed, not going into county setups, and not you know obviously we're going you're going into from a smaller school and that, and and maybe you didn't know as many. Players as the, as the college and Abbey players as well. Yeah, listen, St. Louis, as you said, there were, were a team. We were playing C colleges football at that time, and we were we were scraping a team together. And we like, football wasn't priority. St. Louis, I know Cal came in and, and made a big difference. Cal Murray came in at that stage, and 
he sort of gave the whole thing a lift and the, the boys did start to believe then we started to win the odd trophy here and there and that was the foundation then that went on till Marty's team went on to the McCrory and that very week at that stage you would never dreamt us and lose then McCrory Cup football you know it was like sea competitions but certainly the football you played at St. Louis, you thoroughly enjoyed it. And it did give me a good grounding that everything wasn't just going to be handed to you on a plate and you had to be humble and take your defeats and take your wins, which is good, you know. But it was a, it was, a was, was a great grounding, as I'm sure you'll agree yourself. Yeah, there was a, I think you were called up for the for the upper sixth team whenever you were in third year or something. They got there, something mad, they got there as well. Like, as you said, we didn't really have... Too much, too much to pick from. Yeah. But it was uh, <laughs> no it was special, special times. Never forget it. And um, what period of your, of your playing career then, John? Would you said that you look back with and, and say that's whenever I was at the peak. That's where the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah, it's hard to put exact figures on it. Mm-hmm. When I said when I actually quit the county in twenty eleven, I felt that a couple of years after that was going really well for the kingdom. You know, it was really really fit going going well, scoring a lot for, for, from a forward perspective. But probably from a you know an inter county perspective, if we look back to that two thousand three, two thousand four, where I was you know playing half back, it was going well, I was doing more man marking jobs, I was getting up the field and scoring as well, you know. And then obviously twenty ten, from an inside forward perspective, I felt I had a strong year. Yes, I had a couple of disappointing games here and there, but overall, you know, I played a lot of games, got a lot of scores. Uh, and I felt it really was I mean, coming towards somewhere near me, me peak at that stage as well. You know, I, I felt in, in really good shape, you know. Hey, what advice would you give to any um, young aspiring county player now coming on the scene, John, as I said, um, that maybe doesn't see himself yet as a starter, but, you know, wants to, wants to establish himself? Yeah, it's, it's all about hard work, you know, uh, and probably something that's maybe not looked at enough is the form for your club. You know, if you went to a club game and down 10, 15 years ago, you could have hand-picked out the county players. You go to a club game these days, it's possibly, you know, it's hard enough to find out the county players. So maybe the, the county players need to just give their maybe club a bit more of concerted effort. And when it comes to a Friday night game or something, to really show this is what I can do here. And it's all about attitude too. You know, if, if you want to be... You want to be your best. You'll train your hardest, and it's the commitment and passion for down. You want to play for down. When I was playing, it was seen as a privilege. Maybe not as much these days. There's so many other distractions, but still feel there, there's a core of of young talented players there in down that Paddy has that really want to do well and play for the county, and, and, and that's what it's all about. And you want to play for down and work hard enough, you will. It's as simple as that. What kind of uh, down fan are you now? Are you? Um, shouting things on the pitch whenever something's not going wrong or, or are you just standing back and just taking it all in? Yeah, it's probably standing back. You know, you go to games and you're an excited support, supporter just like I was back in, in the 90s, 90, 91 and 94 going to games. You want down to win, you want them to do well. You'd be frustrated when they lose and you look at things and saying they could have done this better, they could have done that, you know. So, yes, it's, it's a different version of it but I think the lads are... In, Unfortunately, just the timing, the whole thing, they were heading back to Division 2. Hopefully, that still, they'll still be given the chance to do that. But uh, they have a good young squad there, a lot of good young players coming through. So, I think the future, in the next two or three years for Down, could, could be fairly bright. And yourself, John, with, with St. John's then, um, how did you find the move going to, from the Kingdom to St. John's? Um, how we accepted and, you know, was it difficult Transferring clubs, it was it had its difficulties as we talked about earlier. There, mm-hmm. but uh, from a St John's perspective, you know they're, they're not a massive club. They're they're a very very good club. You know, Orla's family is in their whole life revolves around the club. Her, her father Rory was former chairman. Harry plays. And they're a great community based club. You know, some great characters within the club. Um, they don't have a massive pick regarding the playing uh, panel, but there's a lot of quality there as well. Um, they're just a really, really good club and a club that I'm, you know, I'm really proud to be part of. And it really, when I made the move down here, it really sort of gave you that bit of insight into the community and it sort of welcomed a wee bit more into it. Um, from a playing perspective, you know, Glenn beat us last year and I made it semi-final. We were kicking the ball away from getting to the final. Um, there's the potential there for the lads to, to regroup whenever the season gets back. And 
and go at it again because a lot of them lads at the minute are in the prime. People maybe look at St John's or their junior clubs. St John's have been in Division Two now for eight or nine years. They're really established Division Two team with a lot of quality there. So the future is bright in St John's sake. Not a massive playing field, not a massive club, but fantastic community spirit and some fantastic people about it. And there's brilliant facilities as well, isn't there, John? Now with the, with the club rooms and that, there yeah. and a few pitches and that as well. Two pitches on a first-class club rooms. You know they've had their difficulties in the past with the clubhouse being burnt down and that. Bounce back really, really well, and it's, it's a super, super setup. All they're missing now is a dull leg, so hopefully, get them sorted in the year. Take do that fundraising for it. That should have been done in lockdown. You should have got these boys, should have been in, installing them. Um, John, with the just closing down the the season, that as well, are you disappointed that you didn't really get the uh, play another year just to finish it off you know with a good league campaign and a championship obviously hopefully we get the championship now but um, you know would this prolong your career do you think? I don't know you know some Friday nights there you go I don't miss this at all um, <laughs> you know I'm doing my own training and that during the week it's great you have your own freedom and then there's other times you go I miss the buzz here on a Friday night I miss the crack of the lad so it's hard to know I'd say this year will we'll, we'll definitely, whenever the season does be played out, it, it will definitely do. I mean, I'll draw a line under it. But I, I will miss it, you know, there's no doubt. You miss that buzz. And particularly the way the club games and down are on a Friday night, you know, it can either set up your weekend or it can ruin your weekend, you know, as you know. So, <laughs> if you're looking for that, don't be a manager, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so, the, uh, you know, you can never really rule anything yeah. out. But at the minute, I'm content. With, with myself and, and give it one push when, when the season does resume and then sort of sit back and, and see how things go after that yeah. no like definitely like that's what I would definitely give that advice to you you know see how the body is after a couple yeah. of games <laughs> a couple of games <laughs> um, with the well just John with the the just the, your career like it's it's been something you know minor success 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 and then you know obviously the high of 2010 um, do you know what? Is there any regrets that you have with, uh, as you said, maybe that period you just didn't win anything? Twenty ten, as a team, could you have done something different as well? Uh, you always look back in certain years and go, "Had I got the rubber, the green here and there." But I think in twenty ten, we pretty much maxed out as much as we could. Yes, we all have regrets around the final and the way things panned out. It was a fact we were so close, you know, you're going, geez, you just look back some days and you just near cry thinking about it, you know, and it's as far away now, 10 years later as it ever was, you know, so 2010 was, was the pick of the year, of the years, but probably the one where you had the biggest regret around just that final and, and how things worked out. But, you know, I, looking back, if you ask me if I any, I don't, you know, you dream, you grew up looking at the 91, 94 teams, wanting to play for down, same with the club, looking, watching the senior team playing, growing up, wanting to play for it. And I've done that, and the memories I've had, and the friendships I've made, and that, it's what the GA is all about. Of course, we want to, we all want to win more and do this and do that, but it's the memory and, the, and hopefully the legacy you've, you've left behind for, for the young kids coming through and younger kids, be it in the Kingdom or be it in St. John's or, or throughout the county, you'd hope you'd somebody remember you for doing something positive and, and in a way that that would be enough. No, definitely. On the, the, do you think success at a minor level then sort of curtailed the down? Um, the way the, the things were going, the momentum was coming again in, in the county, or do you think that was just your time and it was time for senior football? Uh, no, I think the, the 99 minor team, you know, it was such a talented team. There were so many good players in that team, and it was hard. Every single player in every position could play football, you know, right from corner back to corner forward. and. It was inevitable that it was going to happen. They were going to be thrown into the deep end. And just, it was that difficult transition period where things didn't go well, where a lot of people, in hindsight, it's easy to say, oh, they should have been given another year or two. But Down just didn't have that luxury at that time. And the fact that it was such a talented team, you know, it had been probably silly of Pete at the time not to bring as many players in as he did. So uh, it, was a hard, it was a hard one to figure out looking back. But I, I think it was the right call at the time. Do you find it hard to criticise players now, John, whenever you're, you're doing the um, show with Benny, uh, the Irish News podcast you do, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you find it difficult maybe to criticise down players whenever you know, you're asked a question or do you give your honest opinion or is it 
hang red teeth? Oh, you do, you do, because obviously, you know, myself and Benny have been a front of, of criticism at times in the past too. And you know, when it comes from past players, it hurts that wee bit more. So you try to be as politically correct as you can without upsetting too many people. But you, you have to give your opinion, you know, at the end of the day. And that's what people like to hear, as long as it's a fair and balanced opinion. No player will have any qualms with it, you know. But there is plenty of people out there who like to be controversial for the sake of it, but we're definitely <laughs> not a few of them people. Particularly <laughs> in our own kind. Have you fallen out with anyone, Joan, or has anyone taken exception? Have you got a have you ever had a text message or anything from somebody saying what he is on about used to? Yeah, we get kind of stick about our, our tips. Our tips will be known to be the most popular tips around Uri and Moran for years. Oh. Like, we'll be known to make Vicky's a fair bit of money on a Saturday. So, kind of stick over that. I thought I didn't know you were actually trying to win those bets. Very good. <laughs> On travels, <laughs> Are you still doing the show, John? And, and you know, um, is it going to kick off again? Yeah, well, well, we originally obviously done the, the radio broadcast on Q Radio for years on a Friday afternoon, and it was just the powers of be felt it wasn't working at the time, and the sort of change it was going to more music based stuff. And then we, we started the, the podcast with the, with the irishnews.com there last year. It's been going pretty well till, until lockdown, so hopefully, once things uh, relax, we'll, we'll get it back up and running again. But it's always good to, to, to have the banter and crack with Benny, he's obviously a respected character throughout Ulster and throughout time. No, it's it's it was great. Like you know, listening to it and, and as you say, to see the tips and out there of what's uh, and your opinions on on the sporting world. Um, not even Forest fan, John. So the uh, you haven't had too much success there either. <laughs> no, Forest fan. All my all my days. Uh, you know, it was over actually there in, at the Leeds game in Fairby before the lockdown as well. Brilliant, yeah. Up in Orban over it was not Elms fantastic city, and obviously Forest has a huge tradition, you know and. Uh, they're, they're, they're starting to come back they're in the playoffs they uh, contention there at the minute so it'd be great for them to get back to the Premier League but plenty of ups and downs being a where, where, the, where did that even come out of like you know usually it's, it's United uh, or, or Liverpool really yeah I've always been asked that I just from I think it was five or six down in my, my granny's house in, in Longstone I was just watching that TV one day and Forrest were playing somebody and that was it it just started from that it was random but that's how it started and I've always been pretty loyal to them very good. And was there ever any uh, doubt that you, you, you would play for the Kingdom and not Longstone? <laughs> Definitely not. But she was Bally Martin woman, so sure. she didn't really cast herself to Longstone. Lower <laughs> <laughs> well, a few of her sons did play for the Stone. And there you are now, you see. <laughs> yeah. John, thanks a million. Um, I hope to see you whenever this all um, stops and, and we get back on the pitch. We're hoping that, that it will be around the start of um, August. Uh, lead good time in for, for boys to get accustomed to the, the pitch sessions as well. So, um, have, you heard any, have you heard any word yet of, of training or, or anything like that? No, no, there's no, been, been no talk. Obviously, the GA has come out and said, so I'll say you're right, it'll be mid-July back training, maybe a couple of friendly games, and then hopefully come August, it'll be back in the competitive action, probably a championship, probably round robin group stages. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But certainly it'll be good good to get back on, onto the field again. Yeah, and, and if I can get you back on whenever this all um, stops and see what way your head is at the end of the season, maybe I can convince you to... <laughs> Either yeah, way, what to do. <laughs> yeah, we'll, see, we'll see how that develops. <laughs> John, thanks a million. It was absolutely fantastic no worries, talking John. to you. Um, thanks for and, and all the best for the yes, podcast. And thank you, thank you very much, and I hope the family's safe and well, and, and best wishes to them. man. Thank you, John. Cheers, John. Thank you. Bye, bye, bye. See you, bye.